Welcome to the Variety Hour, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mind. I bet you come from way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess. You from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff. I swear I can't get enough. Listening to you talk that stuff. Talk Memphis, oh yeah. Talk Memphis. Welcome to Talk Money. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. And welcome to today's program. I'm Jim Shoemaker. I know you're probably tired of listening or talking or all the information about the coronavirus, but today we're going to talk to some people that are going to help us get through some insights about whether or not it's the market, whether it's the medical society, your health insurance, or just what you should be doing with your 401k. Because we get a lot of questions about that. And I know the market woes and concerns are all everybody's problems. And that's a, that's, that's a fair statement. I think it's a real statement. In fact, I read something recently from Jim Paulson from the Luthold Group. And he says, although the contemporary crisis is loaded with bad news, this has not been its primary problem. And I quote, it's, he says, it's the unknown. He says, give me bad news any day over complete unknown. Certainty. Boy, do I agree with that. The media noise is massive. It is constant. It's conflicting. It's overwhelming. It's crushing. And guess what? It's causing a crisis of trust. Fear of the unknown. I get it. It can stop us in our tracks. I understand the concept of flight or fight. But when dealing with the unknown, we freeze. Today, we will focus on the impact of the coronavirus on the market and the economy. And my guest, first off, is Rusty Leonard, CFO, CFA. He is also the chief executive officer of Stewardship Partners. Welcome to the program, Rusty, and the fear of the unknown. Your thoughts? Oh, yes. Well, thanks for having me again. It's always a pleasure to be with you, Jim, and with your listeners. Uh, that's obvious. That's a great comment that uh, Mr. Luthold made. And that is what, it, uh, what we're facing, is the fear of the unknown. But what I think we all should do in that situation is focus on what we can know. And there's quite a bit we can know. And, for instance, with the coronavirus, uh, with the actions that we have taken as a nation and many other nations are now taking as well, we can be pretty much assured that in 10 days or so, uh, this, the curve, as they say, will be starting to flatten uh, because – of the social distancing and the fact that the, the virus is, doesn't have as many opportunities to be transmitted, um, we're going to see uh, some improvement, I think, in the not-too-distant future. Between now and then, as you alluded to, the press is going to be howling about the terrible numbers that are going to come out every day, because the numbers will be terrible until that peak is reached. And uh, But we can be pretty much assured. It's, I can't say we can know it 100 percent of the way, but based on all the evidence that we've seen in other countries that have been ahead of us on this problem, uh, if you do what we've been doing, uh, you're going to see this thing turn lower. And so that's something that's a, a real positive. And the other thing that we can know is that there are some medicines that are showing up that are very useful in uh, preventing the worst outcome for uh, coronavirus. So I think there's some good news on the horizon. I don't think it's going to be reported too heavily because uh, in the in the press, the uh, the idea is if if, a, if it bleeds, it leads is what they say. In other words, <laughs> it's really bad news. They want to report that. They don't talk about the uh, the good news. But there is some good news out there. And as far as the market's concerned, I think we've already gotten through the the, 
most of the margin call selling, the forced selling, and we may have actually put in the low. We'll have to we'll have to wait and see to determine if that's the case. Okay, that was the market my... is already. Yeah, yeah go ahead. the market's already. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say the the market is already priced in. I think what we what we can know at this point in time. The thing that we don't know is will the virus mutate and turn into something worse. Uh, that doesn't seem to be any evidence of that so far, but you know that's always a risk. And uh, but if if it's just what it is, if, if what we can see already is what the virus is going to be, then there's enough information out there on the on the medicine side that you know can combat this thing, on the social distancing that's going to flatten the curve, and then when you look at the market, you can see that the market already was down almost uh, well as much as your you know your pretty severe fair market, um, not not as severe as the Great Depression, not as severe as the Great Recession, not as severe as the Internet bubble bursts. But those are about the only three market scenarios that uh, this market um, hasn't uh, done worse than. All the other kind of oil problems we've had in the past, the things like that, the market's gone down about this much. So it seems like the market has probably discounted quite a bit of what uh, it's already transpired. So do you feel like then with that said, and, I, and that's a very good optimistic look, and I think I agree with you because there's a lot of things, that, a lot of indicators that tell us that, but a lot of people, I mean, I've heard yesterday, and you're right, if it bleeds, it leads, and I think that I heard the words yesterday, deep recession, even a depression. It, it, I mean, that's, that is so, I mean, that's a huge statement. How do you how do you couch that? What would you say? And how do our listeners need to hit it? Do you think we're headed to some deep recession? Uh, you know, there's a possibility, but I'd say it's quite small. Uh, I think what you what you have to do is look to China, and China's you know dealt with this. They were the first ones to deal with it. They were having to figure out even more things on the fly than we are, and they are going back to work in Wuhan right now in China and Hubei province. So uh, FedEx reports that ninety that the big companies are ninety to ninety five percent operational, and smaller companies there are sixty to sixty five percent operational. So for a month or or two months, it was a depression in parts of China. Uh, you know, auto sales fell by eighty two percent, I think, in February. But that's probably not going to be the case in June uh, or May. They're probably going to you know return to more much more normal levels. And so I think. Again, these are things that we can know. This has already happened somewhere else, and we can look and see what the outcome was. And so far, China's getting back to work pretty quickly. So it's more – I wouldn't say it's a depression. It's more like the economy had a a, a heart attack, right? So the blood stopped flowing for a month or so. But uh, fortunately, the the economy didn't die. And our our government also is doing just amazing – taking amazing actions. The Federal Reserve has gone – just out of its mind, doing everything it can to provide liquidity to the market to keep that heart beating. And uh, now we uh, finally, after much nonsense, we have uh, at least a Senate agreement on a package. Hopefully Nancy Pelosi will not uh, uh, limit that in any way, shape, or form and get it going very, very quickly. You know, when you say the market, you know, we went down sharply and we, you know, like a V shape, you know, like down sharp and should optimistically, we should see this you know, hopefully will be short-lived and jump back. Normally when the market takes off and begins to expand and grow, that the economy does the same. Do you think, that's historically, do you think that's going to happen again? I mean, you're kind of saying that. I just want to kind of make sure I understand that. No, yes. I I think that there's a good chance that uh, the economy will be, uh, the market, you know, market had one, uh, one big bounce yesterday. It had a 
another bounce of almost a similar size a few few weeks back or a few days back. Uh, so it's starting to put in lows, and uh, we don't know where the ultimate low will be. But I can tell you that at, at Stewart Partners, we were fortunate that we went into this uh, hedged, and then we uh, took our hedges off and held the cash. And then yesterday, we did put a lot of that cash to work because we see all these things, all the things that we talked about already coming uh, to play. And we don't know if we've caught the bottom. There may be yet another another low, but we're pretty close uh, as long as we don't have this virus mutate and turn into something that we, we uh, you know, that we're not seeing at the moment. Well, I have so much appreciate it. Rusty Leonard, founder and CEO of Stewardship Partners Investment Council. You're always a great guest, Rusty. Thank you so much, man. This gives us some understanding. I mean, I've heard kind of in my summary thoughts uh, that we're close to the bottom. If we're not there, it's you're seeing it. You're feeling optimistic about it. Short-lived and the economy soon, let's put it that way, soon should be yeah. back to some degree of normality. I think that's right. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. We'll get back with you. Hey, maybe want to talk to you next week. We'll talk, you know, we'll let you know. I'm, I'm here if you want to. All right, I'm man. Thank you, Rusty Leonard, Chief Investment Officer, CEO of Stewardship Partners Investment Council. Always a great guest for us. Coming up next, we're going to, I want to talk with this guy because this guy's dealing with a lot of people dealing with their health insurance. Shannon Dyson of Shoemaker Insurance Solutions. He's in the studio with me. Now, Shannon, let me ask you this. I, I feel like so many times people are concerned about their health insurance in this matter, especially if an employee is no longer working, are they entitled to their group health insurance plan? Jim, thanks for having me back this morning. I appreciate being here. Uh, yeah, that's an important question. No employers, uh, employees are wondering, what if I am laid off? There's new words that we're hearing, not new, but bringing back the word furlough. What happens if I'm furloughed? Um, and what what is what typically happens with this is insurance companies have what's called actively at work requirements. So in order to be covered under your group health plan, you have to be actively at work. Uh, but what we're seeing today are many carriers are waiving that requirement for a period of time uh, because we're going through this crisis. So now, so if they're if they're actively not at work. <laughs> right. I mean, what do they do then? What should they do? I mean, there's so much fraud and scams going on right now, and people are being hit, bombarded. Sure. I mean, face it, the thieves are, you know, hey, if you don't have coverage, sign up here, I'll give you this. Or, you know, if you can't make your mortgage payment, sign up, give it for $4,500, I'll pay you, you know, all kind of stuff. And that's a real problem right now. I mean, this is, I've seen it pop up. We just did some studies about it. We're going to talk about it next week a little bit. But the reality is, a lot of that's going on. What should an employee do if all of a sudden he's not actively at work? Unfortunately, we do see uh, stressful, um, hard times. We see people come out trying to take advantage of those situations. Uh, I think pay attention to the news. Pay attention to what's going on in the world. If there is a, a new open enrollment period announced, it will be all over the news. It's not going to be something that you get individually and that nobody else knows about. Uh, Tommy in our office always says, don't click anything. Uh, that, so I think that's, <laughs> yeah. that's something to keep in mind. And the, one of the things that we're seeing going on right now are, are things about fake cures uh, for the coronavirus. Emails coming out claiming that this is a cure or that this natural thing is a cure. 
Um, pay attention to, to what you're looking at. Pay, if there are things that come out, it will be widespread knowledge, not just something that you're getting individually. So when you talk about that, if they're asking you for your Social Security number and your bank account, stay away from that. But just be sensitive. You know, I, I know what you're, you're kind of letting us think about through this process of going into and saying, if somebody's asking you questions that are personal, stay away from it. Call your employer. Call your HR department. Make sure instead of just clicking and going with it. Yeah, who, the WHO organization, the, the World Health Organization, uh, they put out some guidances. Is they're never going to call and ask you or send an email asking for login information. They're never going to ask you to donate. And make sure it's coming from their website. Uh, so just making sure that you're doing your homework when you get those types of things. What are carriers doing right now? I mean, this is the insurance carriers. I mean, face it, this is a big problem. I know COVID-19 is a serious problem. It is, it, is, it is a health problem. And so the insurance carriers have got to be going What's next? I mean, so what are they doing in our Shelby County area? Yeah, so they've been really proactive um, in sending us out emails, updates almost daily. Uh, one of the main things that you've heard, I'm sure, is that they're they're waiving the costs for the testing that are, that is involved with coronavirus. Uh, not only that, but they've waived telemedicine costs. So many plans have where you can call into a doctor. Uh, it's free. They've waived those costs. Uh, they're letting early prescription refills be done for the next 30 days. They've opened uh, member support lines. Uh, some of the carriers this morning sent out emails saying that employees that maybe missed open enrollment with their employer, um, they have a new open enrollment period where they can add themselves, or if they didn't cover their spouses previously, they can add their spouses. Now, that's not every carrier, and that's not every employer. So that will be communicated to you by your employer and through your insurance carrier or your broker, but they are doing a lot of things to make sure that they're addressing this situation. You know, that sounds to me, I mean, we're, I, I'm, I'm probably the world's worst. And I think I think I'm speaking for a majority of people like me that are busy, get 100 emails a day, 150 emails a day. I might see something from my insurance carrier and click and move on and just say, ah, not important. Today, you might want to spend the time, if it comes from your insurance carrier or comes from your employer talking about your insurance, click on it, read it, pay attention to it, because it couldn't have a big impact for you. I do the same thing. And so I would say, yes, today is a, is a, it's a new day. It's, it's a different day. Uh, when you get those emails that you typically say, ah, they're just telling me yeah, whatever. You know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> there actually is really good information that they're giving out to employers and to the employees of those group plans. Summarize this for me, because honestly, there's an, there's just a you know enormous amount of information flooding. If you if I'm an employer and I call you, what are you going to tell me to do? Well, it's an you know like we've we've said over and over again, this is an unprecedented time, and so we need to make sure that we're paying attention to what our group health plans are telling us. Uh, they are opening and offering uh, new things, new services for us to be able to take advantage of. So I would say if you haven't heard from your insurance carrier or you haven't gotten an email from your broker, uh, reach out. Call them and find out what is my insurance carrier doing to attack this coronavirus and how what can we take advantage of of things that they're offering for us? Well, when you say that, we have to realize that we, we our focus today, our, if you can't hardly have a conversation with anybody or, you know, your own line with some, that coronavirus doesn't come up. And yep. But other people are having, you know, diabetes continues, heart problems continues. So all of the health issues goes on. And our next guest is going to talk to us about really what's happening in Memphis and Shelby County. Joining me now is Clint Cummins. He is the president and CEO of Memphis Medical Society. Clint, welcome to the program, sir. 
Good morning, gentlemen. Thanks for uh, having me on. Well, I, I know that uh, Shannon, you know, that you and Shannon are good friends and you work together in a lot of things with the insurance industry and stuff. Let me ask you this, Clint. I mean, what from your chair, what are you hearing from physicians that relate to the changes that are happening as far as all the coronavirus noise? So uh, the big impact right now, I think, is twofold. First, you've got uh, a lot of physicians transitioning to telehealth uh, just on the fly. I uh, heard you guys talking a little bit you know, about health concerns and insurance and uh, so on and so forth as, as I was getting ready to join the call. And uh, our physicians are you know, rapidly transferring their practices over to telehealth. Uh, trying to get patients to call first before uh, they present themselves at their office or in or any emergency room or anything like that. Uh, the, the second piece um, is is tied to the first piece, and that's the financial issues that are going on in practices right now, particularly in your private practices. Uh, that uh, necessity for telehealth, you know, will will take them so far from uh, operating at a uh, normal standpoint, but now what we're seeing is you know, we're getting some questions. Do I, do I need to close my practice? Help me understand what's coming from the government. And luckily, as I'm sure you've already talked about, we uh, got some news this morning that the government seems to be moving forward on an aid package. So we're already working on you know how that impacts our members and how we can uh, give them concise information. Um, that's. That's really another issue we're seeing for the medical community right now. And um, I can illustrate it for you. Think, think if, if you're a doctor and you have hospital privileges at every hospital, just in a city the size of Memphis, um, you know, I won't name off all the hospitals, but, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of 8 to 10 when you think about each individual hospital location within each hospital system. That physician is getting probably three or four emails per day from that hospital, in addition to the Centers for Disease Control, in addition to the State Department of Health, in addition to the County Department of Health. It is very hard to digest all that information quickly. So that's one of the big initiatives we're working on right now is how do we deliver very concise, collective information that our physicians can digest quickly to make smart decisions to practice. That is a that's got to be an impact for them from a standpoint of just their general practice. I mean, here's a you know a patient that's been going to this doctor and all of a sudden having to work around the maze of of the phone call. I can't see. I mean, I just recently to give you a perfect example had a uh, an appointment with my physician this past Monday. Now, they called me on Friday to make sure I was going to keep the appointment. And, of course, I said yes. And I said, but now if you want to do it offline, we can do whatever. Well, granted, I got the nurse that called me. She said, uh, would you mind doing it on the phone? Now, here's the problem. I'm on the phone. He said, 3 o'clock. Well, I should have known 3 o'clock didn't mean 3 (laughs) o'clock. It it meant something like maybe 3.30, quarter to 4, whatever. But, I mean, he was very gracious. And we had a great conversation. We talked and we went through my medical records and the blood work. And again, I was comfortable with what we had we had accomplished that day. The problem, the, the problem that I've, I was not urgent. I, I didn't feel uh, an emergency coming on. I didn't have a fever. 
How does the docs, in your opinion, how do these doctors today, and you work with these guys every day, how do you feel that they're handling it from a stress level? This has got to be stressful for them. Their patient care is what, that's their livelihood. That's their passion. And, and are they able to give the care that they want to give today? Well, the, you know, the stress part of that question, what's ironic about that is before all of the uh, pandemic started, one of the initiatives uh, we were working on at Memphis Medical Society was a physician well-being program because even pre-pandemic, um, fatigue, stress, burnout, whatever term you want to use, is an issue in the medical community. Uh, so as you can imagine, if that's an issue on a normal basis, uh, the issue is about you know ten or twenty fold uh, now that we're in the midst of the pandemic. So we're, we're slowly uh, and surely starting to see you know some of the residual effects of that. It's either on the front end. Uh, back to the earlier question about you know what I do about my practice, and then uh, as it goes on, you know what do I do about the patients that are calling. What do I do if I if I have a suspect uh, COVID patient? How do I triage that? I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's really soup to nuts from a medical practice standpoint. We're uh, answering questions and everything from the type of mask I need to wear in this situation uh, to those more complex economic questions um, that you asked about earlier. Well, they're on the front lines, and there's no questions about it. I mean, is there a shortage? I mean, you hear this on the news. Is there a shortage with the personal protective equipment, the PPE? Is that, we, do we have a shortage in Shelby County? Uh, there's a shortage bordering on uh, complete lack. Uh, we're we're wavering on that line right now. Some practices are very, very, very low. Uh, you've got hospitals um, that are low, obviously, and we're trying to work with um, city procurement, the health department, the community, and everyone else. A lot of those new reports you're referencing really came from a new release that we did. Um, that there is a shortage of that equipment. Um, I, I left out first responders um, in that group. We're literally coordinating with every one of those groups right now to get a sense of their inventory, what they go through on a daily basis, and what we can um, help them uh, secure. So we put out a plea to the community to make donations of any of that kind of equipment that they had around their house, be it surgical masks, uh, a mask called N95, which has a special respirator on it that's um, very beneficial in a medical setting. Um, you know, gowns and face shields are a shortage. Um, uh, I was actually in an industrial supply warehouse yesterday looking for makeshift um, face shields uh, from some of our uh, emergency personnel. And uh, uh, the very next call I'm going to be on after this interview is to someone who has a lead on 15,000 of those N95 masks, which is the equivalent of a gold mine right now because uh, the supply has been depleted and we're just now starting to get production ramps up, and that's globally. And uh, I mean, literally, the person I'm talking to after the phone call today is, uh, is working with a warehouse in China that is not in the middle of Mouthful, but that 
that's really the sense of where we are with PPE and all the things that we're doing to try to get more in our community. Well, man, I so much appreciate it. I'm going to let you take that phone call. That's Clint Cummins. He is the president and CEO of Memphis Medical Society. Thanks, Clint. You get to the call, man. Take care of our physicians, our first responders. Appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. Coming yeah, up, when we come back, we've got two guys that are going to talk about what we should do with our 401k. They're going to tell us a lot. Stay with us. We'll be back right after this. Podcasts of Talk Money are available in the iTunes store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with more Talk Money after this. Jim Shoemaker, Scott Jordan, and Michael Powell are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Neither Shoemaker Financial nor Securian Financial Services are affiliated with Rusty Leonard, Stewardship Partners, Dr. Clint Cummins, or the Memphis Medical Society. The views and opinions expressed are those of Rusty Leonard and Dr. Clint Cummins only and have not been presented on behalf of or endorsed by Securian Financial Services, Inc. or Shoemaker Financial. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information is not investment advice or a recommendation. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, welcome back. We've just got a lot going on. We're talking about the coronavirus. We started with Rusty Leonard. He kind of helped us get through some of the, the quick down and quick up, we hope. He, uh, he seemed to be optimistic, and I think that's good. And we talked about literally, I quoted Jim Polson when we first started, although the contemporary, and I'm quoting again, although the contemporary crisis is loaded with bad news, this has not been its primary problem. Now, if you think about that, it's bad news, but he's saying, and I appreciate what he's saying, I've listened to him before, he says, it's the unknown. Give me bad news any day over complete uncertainty. Now, you know, I get that because fear, and f- you know, when you think about fear, it's a fight or flight mentality. But when we get into the unknown, it's a freeze mentality. We just don't know what to do. And I have two guests today that are really going to give us some Fundamentals, step-by-step, basic issue problems and how to solve them about your 401k or your investment portfolio in this crisis. Now, yesterday was an all-time record push in the market. I mean, it was phenomenal. Watched it. And, of course, maybe it's headed, you know, to now the whole bounce is done. We've hit bottom. We've capitulated Monday. And now we're going to climb back out of this. There'll still be some bumps. Maybe. I don't know. That's the unknown. But we do have some uh, an approach, some thought processes that we need to go through, and these guys are going to help us do that. My guest is Michael Powell and Scott Jordan, and I want to start this, guys. Welcome to the program. Great to be here, Jim. Morning, Jim. Guys, this is a big issue for, for a lot of people. Now, it is. We've been it blessed and not getting a ton of calls, but we've had to coach some clients through this, yeah. and we understand that. Well, I want our listeners to hear your wisdom and your thought process, because I read a book one time called Thinking Fast and Slow by Michael by Daniel Kahneman, and I, I remember the book. It's amazing. I actually found the book that I put it someplace and I found it. He says, and I think this is good, he did a whole thought process about behavioral economics. He says, people are loss averse. People feel the pain of losing money more than they feel the enjoyment of making money. 
It's a natural instinct to flee the market when it starts to plummet. Now, we know that last week was that mentality. I mean, it, and guys, I think everybody needs to know yesterday was a great day and everybody jumped around and said, hey, we turned over. That is not the case. We will still see some ups and some downs, some movements, some volatility, and that is natural. Have we hit the bottom? Have we capitulated and said we're done? I I don't feel that, but yet there were some indications of that maybe Friday and Monday, but we'll have to see. Nobody knows, but there are some fundamentals that I want us to talk about. So let's start with you, uh, Scott. I, I really feel like, you know, this, this, there's a thing that we talk about sometimes in the office called following the herd. And the best example of that is you get a social media blurb come out, you know, a Facebook post or something that we're not going to have toilet paper. Wow. And all of a sudden <laughs> you can't buy toilet paper. I mean, it's gone. I mean, people are driving out there, you know, their wagon, you know, their their basket out of the grocery store with 200 rolls of toilet paper. Unbelievable. It is unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, I, I literally thought, I mean, I hated that. I told my wife, I said, babe, did we buy enough for two years? <laughs> and she looked at me cross-eyed and said, <laughs> no, we didn't. And we pro- but the following the herd is a real mentality, but we don't do that with our investment portfolio. Absolutely. It can derail your long-term plans. You know, I've been putting a lot of thought on this and, and, and things. And, you know, we've been through a lot of these crises and uh, the events that cause them are always different. And they always seem, we've heard this word a lot, unprecedented. Uh, as I know we're that. Going we talked about we, that earlier. We've heard that word a lot. Now, we've been through a lot. Like I said, the cause is always different. The reaction's always the same. Starts with fear. I think we fear because we feel a loss of control. We, that fear builds up. Fear leads to panic, which leads to panic selling, yeah. following the herd. I heard a good definition of panic selling. I, I read this uh, this morning. It's, uh, the definition of panic selling is people who think this time it's different selling to people who know this time it's not different. <laughs> and I thought that kind of hit it well. You know, it, uh, it's, but you, you said it. You know, uh, Daniel Kahneman in his research, uh, it, it's, you know, people hate or they, they really feel that pain of loss. And, and what they're doing is they're trying to, they're selling to escape that pain, right? If I can just do something, I can fix this problem. You know, give and us if that I can get definition that again. That was a great definition. <laughs> I, I thought Let me see was... if I can do that again. It's, it's people, panic selling is people who think this time it's different, selling to people who know this time it's, <laughs> it's not, not different. different. <laughs> that, that's, that's pretty strong there, guys, because what you're talking about, this loss of control, which you mentioned, is this it's constant in the media it is we're just getting it thrown at us yeah. it's conflicting i hate to say this but i was talking to someone who was at a dinner party actually i mean before they got into the social distancing but it was just the beginning phases and there was a group of people and they were talking about it was according to your political side whether you were right or left how you were interpreting what was going on that's a conflict you can't trust anybody and i I, this whole idea of the crisis of trust i read a definition speaking of definitions called normlessness Normlessness. Normlessness. Hmm. Normlessness. I, I like to say term. that five times. That yeah. can't say it five times. <laughs> can't say it five times. But here's what it says it denotes the situation in which the social norms regulating individual conduct have broken down or are no longer effective as rules for 
behavior. And I think we've gotten into a stage of normlessness that's a crisis. It's a crisis of trust. And I think that's a problem. And we get into following the herd. Now, I've got to take a break. What we do, we're going to come back. And I want to, Michael, Michael, I really, I feel like that sometimes this normlessness, Mm -hmm. this mindset, not only do we start following the herd, but we start making mistakes of emotions. And you kind of alluded to that, Scott. Michael, I really want you to help us get through that. Help us kind of settle in that when we come back. If you just tuned in, I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to Talk Money. And my guest is Scott Jordan and Michael Powell. We're talking about how to manage that 401k plan. Don't jump ship. I mean, I loved it. It's selling panicked people, selling to people who know it's not going to be. I can't even say it the way you said it. <laughs> I'll, I'll go over You're it with quite, you after the show. We'll, I got to we'll write it down. it down, man. That was strong. We'll be back in just a minute. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and this is Talk Money. If you have questions you'd like to have answered on the program, email them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. When Dr. Lemuel Diggs began his medical career at UT Memphis, the city had the highest maternal death rate in the country. When Dr. Diggs investigated the matter, he discovered that in most cases, the patients had bled to death. To stop this tragedy from continuing, he proposed the creation of a blood bank. He believed having refrigerated blood in maternity hospitals would save the lives of countless mothers, and he was right. Despite the clear need for such a project, the university did not have the funding for it. When Diggs appealed to the city, responsibility for the project was referred back to the university. The local community rallied around Diggs and provided him the equipment to open a blood bank in 1938. It was the first in Memphis and the South, and the fourth in the country. This blood bank rapidly became a leader in the processing of plasma, and techniques perfected there dramatically improved the efficiency of hospital procedures saving countless lives. This has been another Mid-South History Moment brought to you by Shoemaker Financial. Financial advisors do not provide specific tax or legal advice, and this information should not be considered as such. You should always consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your own specific tax or legal situation. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, you know, we're talking about what to do with your 401k, what to do with your investment portfolio and how to manage through it. And, and you know, I get it. I get it. It is a tough individ- tough time individually to go through this process. And we get caught up in whether it's following the herd, as Scott was talking about, or as Michael's about to talk about, the emotional side. That's just the norm, guys. That You know, people, as I said earlier, from the book on behavioral economics, the bottom line is people, rather, they, they fear they're risk-averse, they, they're loss-averse, and they don't like losing money. Nobody likes that. In fact, we hate that more than we like making money. And so here's the thought for you, though. I really want you to get this because... Because if you look at the investment portfolio from 1998 to 2019, this comes from Bloomberg, and and this is a very well done. It was done actually at the end of December 31st of 2019. Here, here's what they say, and I think it's good. It said if the ten, even if you look at the ten best days and a market reduced return, you lose money. And I'm going to share with you how much if you take the return from fully invested in 1998. To the December the 31st of 2019, your annualized return would have been about 7.32%. That's with all the stuff going on. 
Okay, and we know that was a lot, excuse me. But here's the thought, an annualized return, if you miss the 10 best days, that return drops from 7.32 to what? I mean, just think about this, 3.78. If you miss the best 20 days, it drops even further to a return of 1.49. Now listen, that's what your emotions will do to you. You, you get this whole thought process. You go, hey, I'm so glad I'm in the market. Everything's going great. I don't really want to take this loss anymore. I'm out. You you sell. Go back to me, you know, Scott. What did you say earlier that a person selling is, is somebody buying? Help <laughs> me with Let's that. go through this one yeah, more time. Yeah, one more so, time. Panic selling. People who think this time is different selling to people who know this time is not different. That's why it's that's what happens. All right, Michael. Why and how do you control emotions. And I think I, you could tie that in with what Scott's saying about panic selling. Me personally, I haven't been in the market for over 20 years or 25 years with my 401k and my investments. So someone like me who's coming out into the workforce early, you know, these this first part of the decade, if I started investing and I see what's going on now, that's really discouraging, right? And if you've been through that before, you know that long term, if we stay focused, like you said in that report, we're going to be fine long term. But for me, a younger person, it, it it can be discouraging. So I just tell people, remember, you may not use this money for 30, 40 years. Some sort of short-term event like this can really negative, negatively affect you if you decide to make an irrational decision. So you have to stay focused. Well, that's critical because you said it. I mean, I had a call the other day, and I was helping this person with one of our 401k plans, and he was asking the question. He's 35 years old, mm-hmm. and he was saying, uh, you know, you could you could just listen to him. It was an emotional call. Now, he wasn't, oh, panicked, right. as we talk about, but you could hear, and he had a very serious question. What do I do with my 401k. And, and of course, the answer in his particular cases, I spent some quite a bit of time kind of helping him through this process and, and listening to him was, you know, hey, you said it, 30 years. He's got 30 years. Right. And literally from Capital Group, this is a great number, 20% or more downturns, 20% or more downturns. Now, from Capital Group, they say that happens about every six years. So guess what? It's not good. I mean, you know, we just go have gone through the longest bull market that we've ever had in this country, almost 11 years, one month short of 11 years. And, you know, everybody's thinking, well, oh, my goodness, now we're going to this is this is the normal way the cycles work. So 20 percent or more downturn for about every six years. And it lasts about 400 days. Now, I've heard people say this one dropped. Literally, we had an investment call last week with one of our investors, investment managers, and he said this took four and a half weeks to drop what normally takes a year and a half, Scott. I think that's that speed of that drop really kind of intensified the fear as well. Uh, I think uh, if I think I'm speaking correctly, this is the fastest, fastest drop, drop down that we've to ever the bottom. Seen. Uh, you know, I think some of that's to do with technology. I, I don't know the reason behind that. You know, social media, a lot of connectedness technology. I don't know, but uh, market, I think what you brought up is important. As a long-term investor, as you said, Michael, you know, you're talking about money that's going to be in the market for 30 or 40 years. You have to recognize that market declines are normal and you're going to go through these times. I mean, you just said 20% drop once every six years. How many of those you're going to go through as a 40-year investor? Yeah. And, and, and Michael brings up, if you've been through this before, sometimes it's a little easier. Uh, you know, and I think that's where 
getting advice from somebody who's been through this before and mm-hmm. studied this can give you that proper perspective on you know what's going on and, and how to react to this situation. Because we have no control of the markets. You and I know that very well. We can't control the markets, but we can control our reaction to the markets and what's going on. So I think I think that starts with knowing that this is normal and this is going to happen, preparing for it in advance and what you're going to do in advance. You so. mentioned that we don't have control. The loss of control is what really a lot of people are fearful right now. We yeah. had someone yesterday, a retired stockbroker. Yeah. That yeah. Had, you know, it was a great conversation. It, because was. it was. He says, you know, and, and this is a guy that had lots of experience, and he was talking, and he said, you know, I understand this. The market does not allow us, the investor, to control it. Right. And he said the stockbroker knows that, and that's the bottom line. He says, and I liked his wisdom. He had a lot of wisdom. Yep. And uh, I, sp- I think that what he said that I thought that is so true. But people fear the loss of control. So back to the emotions. Right. What do you say, Michael, to that 35-year-old, as I was on the phone call, or to the 65-year-old? Really, to once again, know exactly what your objectives are with the money you have invested. If it's short term, you probably have that in safer investments anyway. But if I'm looking at things I'm going to spend over a 10, 15, 20 year retirement, if I'm that 65 year old, I know that I've got time to recover in most of this stuff because we know that if things like this short term happen and if I need the money within five to 10 years, you know, it's going to come back up eventually. History has shown us that, particularly. Know that past performance doesn't, you know, predict future results. I'll always put that out there. But it's just one of those things where we have to make sure that we diversify, too, because that always helps. Well, with the reality of a 20% or more drop, it happens about every six years and lasts, on average, according mm-hmm. to the Capital Group, about 401 days. Now, guys, when we come back, I want you to lay out for the listening audience what is it that we want them to walk away with? What plan? What thought process? I mean, granted, emotions are great, and they're, they're there. And the reality that following the herd, if you heard somebody that did it and social media is running at you like you've never seen it before, it's constant, it's conflicting, and it is crushing us. It overwhelms us. Mm-hmm. How do you deal with it? I want you to give me a plan. I want you to give me the set thoughts that you would share with your clients. The listening audience needs to know when we come back, Michael Powell, Scott Jordan, they're going to give us a plan of what to do. Stay with us. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Podcasts for Talk Money are available for iOS mobile devices in the iTunes store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. The S&P is an unmanaged index of 500 large cap stocks. Investors cannot invest in an index. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. I've talked about normlessness, a uh, big word. And, uh, you know, it's uh, like he, Michael said, try to say it five times quickly, <laughs> can't do it. Is nor- it says normlessness denotes the situation in which the social norms regulating individual conduct have broken down or are no longer effective as rules of behavior. 
And our behavior has changed. Social distancing, that's the new word. I mean, face it, we didn't even think about social distancing six months ago. Today, you just, you, if you're not social distancing, that's, a, you know, that's an issue. Now, here in the studio, we're probably, you know, five and a half feet apart, maybe. And uh, we're close. But we are practicing social distancing. And the reality is the media is hammering us so much about coronavirus. It creates a fear. And fear, you know, it's fighting or flight, or it's the fear of the unknown, we're frozen. What do we do? So I'm going to start with you, Scott. What do you tell people? What do you guys kind of help each other as we go through this process? Give us some thoughts about what to do in this situation. Well, Joe, I think, you know, we, we talked a lot about emotions. We talked about fear and panic. And the reality is you can't avoid, as Daniel Kahneman's research, so you can't avoid those feelings. So you know, we talk about this all the time. It's having that in that disciplined investment process in place is so critical. Uh, you know, and we 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 talk about the the idea behind. Hey, you know, what's what's my risk tolerance? What am I trying to accomplish? What are my goals? What are my short term liquidity needs? And we develop an asset allocation. How much we're going to have in stocks, bonds, and cash in a portfolio that has a history a history of producing the type of returns we need. We, we always talk about diversification. So, you, so what you're saying is that what you were doing in June of last year, you don't change. You don't change. If your goals have not changed, there's no reason to change the long-term plan. The market has rewarded patient long-term investors, but the, sometimes those emotions and those fears can get in the way of that. So maintain that asset allocation you had before. Stay diversified. Stay the course. Rebalance as necessary. Keep the portfolio in line with what you're trying to accomplish. So I think that that those principles remain true today, just like they were last June, Jim. Michael, thoughts? Focus on your time horizon. Ah, that's good. Got to yeah. know how long you're in it for. And if you just started, whether it was six months ago or 16 years ago, that you have a goal behind it. So make sure you stick with it. So when you say time horizon, can you help me with that? It's zero to two years. I know that. So if I was investing to buy something. You shouldn't have been in the market. Absolutely not. Yeah. So, no. but if it's your four hundred one k, that's a long term out. Being in the market, as as Scott's saying, diversified. Obviously, mm. if you're if you're young, all stocks. So you're going to take the biggest hit, but you're going to get the biggest gain. Right. But you just have to know. Yep, you do. You have to know. Well, let me. That's guys. That's great advice. I mean, you know, I think the point is that we just can't be frozen at this time. You've got to think through it. Control your emotions. I like it. Yep. And bottom line is, don't follow the herd. Shannon, you're back in the studios with us now. Listen, I know you've got a lot to say. You've got some things I think that the people need to hear. What do you say to the employee? Well, this is a, a time where, unfortunately, uh, employers are going to be forced to make tough decisions, and and those may include uh, laying off workers. Uh, if if you are with a company and you and you are laid off during this time, um, you do have options to continue your health care. Uh, if you work for a company that has twenty or more employees, uh, you have Cobra rights, meaning you can continue the exact same plan that you were on. Um, if you lose coverage and you are work for a company that has less than 20 employees, uh, that, that is a qualifying event to let you go back into the marketplace, which is healthcare.gov, uh, and pick an individual health plan for yourself. So you are not, um, you're not going to be stuck without coverage if you do lose coverage because of loss of work. Uh, you will have options. So just make sure that you're aware of that and know what your options are. 
Well, that is so important. Be sure you're aware. Don't don't avoid the emails as we talked about. Make sure that you're aware and know what your options are. Clear advice. Guys, this has been a, a jam-packed you know, conversation we've had. Can you give me in just a, a short summary, Scott, summarize? Uh, I would say stay focused, stay disciplined. Uh, anybody that is feeling apprehensive or, or nervous or fearful, please reach out. We'd be happy to talk through that with them. Yeah, absolutely. Like Scott said, talk to someone, someone that's experienced, someone that's been in this before, if you haven't had this experience before. That's good so point. just focus on your goals. Well, I think the key is, is bottom line is hold their hands. They need some hand holding. Yep. That's fine. Read your emails. I think we've talked about that a few times. Understand your options. Uh, you will, you won't be thrown out there without options. So just know what those are. Be informed and be as informed as you can. Well, we talked about that, guys. Thanks so much for your input. You've done a great job. It's Michael Powell, Scott Jordan, and Shannon Dyson have all been a part of today's program. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having us, Jim. Thanks, Jim. You know, the media noise, we talk about loss of control. It's constant. It's conflicting. And it's crushing. Guys, this is it's overwhelming to you. Well, I hope today's program has helped you kind of settle into it and pay attention to what you've got to do. I've enjoyed today's program. I thank you for listening. Of course, this is The Voice, KWAM 990, FM 107.9. I want to thank my guests, Shannon Dyson, Michael Powell, and Scott Jordan. Also, Rusty Leonard and Clint Cummins from the Memphis Medical Society and the CEO and Chief Investment Officer of Stewardship Partners, Rusty Leonard. If you have additional questions for anyone or you would like to talk with them personally, you can call us at 757-5757 or 1-800-757-1059. We hope you've enjoyed today's program. And as always, thanks for listening. To find today's program on podcast or past programs, go to iTunes and search the poor for past programs. I'm Jim Shoemaker. Thanks for listening. This is Talk Money. Talk Money is produced by Greg Ratliff. Guest and content coordination, Francis Fortner. Production assistant, Eleanor Moskovitz. Compliance officer, Tommy Armstrong. Mid-South History Moment, Rebecca Brazier and Drew Johnson. We'll see you next week on Talk Money. Jim Shoemaker, Scott Jordan, and Michael Powell are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Security and Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Thank you.